think I called my mom a bitch mm. when I was a teenager. And my dad just mm. fucking let me have it. Mm. He didn't hit me or anything, but he he reamed me pretty good. Mm. And it was cool because he had my mom's back. Yeah. So I thought that was a pretty powerful teaching. But he was an intimidating guy, yeah. and I was mostly scared of him. Uh, he was physical a couple times, but mostly... He was. He would use his mean sort of look, tone of voice, and pointing the finger at me, just to put me in my place. But there was never a repair or an apology or a ownership of anything. Um, that's just not how my parents did it. Welcome to Men This Way, the podcast for every man who seeks to live his deepest purpose in life, who's committed to showing up fully and giving his unique gifts to the world. Because if not you, then who? I'm your host and fellow journeyman, Brian Reeves. Brian with a Y, Reeves. Men, this way. What did your father teach you about conflict? What does conflict look like in healthy relationships? And do healthy couples regularly experience conflict? And if so, how do they do it? Well, in this episode, my guest relationship expert, Jason Gaddis, and I mine these questions and more for useful insights to make a meaningful difference in your life. This is the second time I've had Jason, it's Jason with a Y, Jason Gaddis on Men This Way. Jason Gaddis with a Y, kind of like Brian with a Y. I like it. And I love having Jason on because he brings such practical insight and wisdom, actionable practices that you can begin to start working with immediately in your life. And he does not disappoint in this episode as well, particularly if you're experiencing or ever experienced conflict in an important relationship, which I know pretty much covers everybody. Jason just released his new book titled Getting to Zero, How to Work Through Conflict in Your High Stakes Relationships. Some of the topics we dive into are the five types of conflict that emerge in relationships, the basic building blocks of resolving conflict, what it can look like for a strong-willed couple to navigate the routine disagreements and differences that arise in the course of living together, and so much more. But first, before we dive into the episode, I want to tell you about my new Elevate experience for men. Elevate 2022, my year-long coaching journey for men committed to thriving in every domain of life, is now open for enrollment. I'm only inviting 12 men to go through all of 2022 with me personally on this adventure of a lifetime. Now, who's this for? Well, it's for you if you've achieved some level of success yet still feel unfulfilled, or you're simply seeking a greater level of fulfillment than you now have. This is for you if you're committed to rising above the distractions and compulsions that are sabotaging you from living your fullness as a man. If you're done trying to lone wolf it through life, this is for you. If you're stuck in some critical area, ready for a breakthrough, or you know you need to be challenged and supported by other men to help move you along on the journey of becoming the man you were born to be, this is for you. I mean, essentially, this is for you if you are committed to thriving in every area of your life. If you're a man who knows there is more beauty, more depth, more satisfaction, more fulfillment, more freedom, more truth to be experienced than what you are currently experiencing, Elevate 2022 is for you. It includes personal coaching with me throughout the entire year and alongside a select group of solid men, your soon-to-be brothers, perhaps. We'll go on a deep dive into the insights, distinctions, and practices that allow you to step into your deepest life purpose create and support a thriving, intimate relationship, tap into real, authentic power to truly serve your life, your loved ones, your professional aspirations, your community, and more. We'll also have an epic in-person experience on a five-day retreat in a beautiful nature location. Through this experience, these men and I will become your brothers for life. You will be challenged to go beyond your comfort zone, and you will be celebrated when you succeed, or even when you fail, but you did the thing you were afraid of doing. Because this experience isn't just about making more money, or having more sex, or achieving more of anything in particular, only to still feel that void that just haunts us men. 
Now, this is about each of us stepping more deeply into our courageously authentic selves and more fully offering our gifts to the world. Now, if this intrigues you, get the details and apply at brianreeves.com slash elevate. It's brian with a Y, reeves.com slash elevate. Now, this isn't for everyone, but if you have an inkling that it might be for you, apply now. Just take the next step. This could be one of the greatest gifts you ever give yourself, the gift of brotherhood with extraordinary men. Go to brianreeves.com slash elevate for details and to apply. Again, Brian with a Y, reeves.com slash elevate. Now, let's get back to my conversation with Jason Gaddis. Take a deep breath and stay present with us all the way through to the end of this episode of Men This Way. All right, let's dive. Mr. Jason Gaddis, what's up, my friend? It's good to have you back on Men This Way. Welcome. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Great to see you, man. You know, the episode that you and I did, uh, man, it's been a few years now, I think. Uh, I was early in my podcasting journey, the emotionally unavailable man. Yeah. That has been one of my most listened to episodes. Oh, nice. I guess there's a thing about emotionally (laughs) unavailable men going on out there. (laughs) Yeah, and since we were two formerly emotionally unavailable men, it kind of works. 100%, man. Look, my my lady Sylvie is, you know, we daily have still sort of that that yearning, the tension between us where there's this yearning for for more emotionality from me and 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 look within me a yearning. I'd love to offer more emotionality and you know, we we have a good sense of humor about it, Sylvie and I. Um uh but you know, it's it's there. It exists. It's yeah. a dance we we continue to to dance with. Is would you say that's the same with in your relationship? Yeah, there's there's something similar where um I can just get, I just like have my game face on mm. a lot. And uh, it's like, wait, what, where, where's, honey, where are you? You know, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. and then stress is a, is a new yeah. sort of emerged thing that I wear, um, mostly business kind of stress. Um, Cause I'm, I'm new at business and not great at mm. it. And so I'm, I can wear that. And that's usually a repellent. In your to to in anybody intimate, or to your no, to my relationship, especially yeah. well, probably to anybody, but yeah, <laughs> certainly yeah, yeah. to my partner. I totally get that, man. Look, I I you know I I built my business, my coaching business on my writing. Really, you know, eight eight years ago or so, really planted the seeds for that. I love writing. Yeah. I mean, you know, the content, the creation, that the yeah. the artistry of this work, and yet, you know, running. A, a business like this, man, there's a, it takes a lot of other, it's a whole other muscle. Yeah. That is very stressful. It's, yeah. it's not where my joy generally comes from. No, I'm usually in my left brain and it very in my head. And, um, you know, it's, I, I think I love solving problems. So that part of it's kind of fun, but yeah, when I'm just in the weeds, like all the time, it's <laughs> I'm like, yeah, mm, this isn't my favorite spot. Yeah, and I know you and I. I think this is a, a common ground you and I stand on. Is is you know we both want to do good service in the world. Want to be mm-hmm. creating, teaching, guiding, leading the way, helping people navigate challenges more than just running a damn business. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we want to get our message out. Want to get our message out, man. Yeah. So I so I feel you on that, and and uh, I'm actually really excited to talk to you today about the new book that you have out. And I think as of, I mean, we're recording this on October 1st, but by the time this comes out, your book will be, people can actually already order it. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So getting to zero, how to work through conflict in your high stakes relationships. Um, How long did it take you to write this? Hmm. Well, I'd say once I got going, it was probably a six month process. Um, But before the six month was this really crunchy difficult, probably year-long process of figuring out what I was writing about and getting the proposal dialed, and that was a whole nother journey. Felt like two books. Writing a book is a marathon. Yeah. No doubt about it. It ain't a sprint. That's that's an Instagram post. But writing a book is like is, is like an Iron Man marathon. It's, it's like, a little more Iron Man-ish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So congratulations. Thanks, man. And I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to talk with you about it because it's also, it's about conflict. Quick check-in, is this book, f- 
geared towards men or is it for men and women, just anybody who's interested in navigating conflict in relationship? Yeah, it's any, anyone who wants to be in a good place in their most important relationships. You know, before we dive into that, I, I'm curious because I was in my uh, men's group that I'm running right now just yesterday in our uh, one of our, our bi-monthly sessions, we were exploring our father stuff. Yeah. One of the questions that came up is that we ask is, how did your what did your father teach you about conflict and how did your father do conflict with you Ooh, that's a good one and i would love to hear what you inherited if you will completely you know the modeling of of your your father in particular as a man around conflict yeah he did a pretty good job of hiding conflict with my mom and and i'm not saying that's a good thing but he he thought it was a good thing so he did his best to argue with her kind of behind closed doors. So I grew up in a family where it felt like, oh, my parents never fight mm-hmm. in terms of, so that was kind of the modeling. And I would see him be stressed from work and raise his voice at me, my siblings, my mom once in a blue moon. Yeah. In fact, actually I have a, a memory of him standing up for my mom when I, I think I called my mom a bitch mm. when I was a teenager. And my dad just mm. fucking let me have it. Mm. He didn't hit me or anything, but he he reamed me pretty good. Mm. And it was cool because he had my mom's back. Yeah. So I thought that was a pretty powerful teaching. But he was an intimidating guy, yeah. and I was mostly scared of him. Uh, he was physical a couple times, but mostly he was he would use his mean sort of look, tone of voice, and pointing the finger at me just to put me in my place. But there was never a repair or an apology or a ownership of anything. Um, that's just not how my parents did it. What I'm hearing in that is that that conflict was modeled by your father, at least towards you as, as a domination game. You could say that, um, domination, certainly intimidation, intimidation. I, I think I know what you're saying. He's definitely dominating, but I don't know if he was he was just kind of like saying, yeah, maybe it is domination. It's like, I'm in charge. Mm-hmm. Like, don't mess with me. Yeah. I mean, I look at, I had two two fathers, dad and stepdad, and the models that I got from them was on, on the one hand, one was, um, uh, we're just going to rationalize our way around everything. You know, like like nailing jello to a wall, as they say. Wow. <laughs> or yeah. Conflict doesn't even exist because we're just going to talk our way around everything everything and i'm is he an attorney or something should have been should have been would have been a skill Uh well applied um but very intellectual very heady uh this Mm -hmm. is my my father and and so you know remains to this day the perpetual teacher then on the other hand you know my stepfather whom i love i have a great relationship with i have a better relationship with him than i do with my own dad my stepfather's way of doing conflict was in a way similar to what I hear from your father was conf- disagreement isn't at least, well, I'll, I'll just, just what I, my stepfather disagreement was not welcome. Mm-hmm. In fact, disagreement was a sign of disrespect. Right. For sure. And disrespect was, was going to be met with overwhelming emotional force, never physical mm-hmm. violence, but emotional. Yeah. I mean, I was terrorized. Like the, the emotional sort of tyrant emotional energy was so alive and, and and that I just knew there's really no place for me to have any dissent here. Yeah. So I was just terrified. I stayed away That's from kind of, of conflict from him. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Even to this day, I do my best to avoid, you know, I have to tiptoe around any disagreements we might have. So there you go, between the between the complete sort of checked out rationalizing version like there's just no emotion present whatsoever to the on the other extreme the the explosive i will destroy you with my intensity if you disagree mm-hmm. yeah those are those are my models Matt, like a five-year-old i'm like oh that sounds harsh yeah pretty pretty intense yeah. you know now here i am you know in my 20s and 30s i'm 47 now you know i've been doing my own work around this for a long 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 time those patterns are still present in me uh-huh. But, you know, I tried to do relationship with those two models in mind. How, how, how do you think it went for me, Jason? <laughs> well, you're likely, you're going to respond. Uh, it seems like people go two ways. They go, they become their dad, right? Or, or one, one of the dads. Mm-hmm. 
or they have such an aversion to the dad, they do the opposite. Totally, man. And I basically had both those models. I had the opposite. I had the two, I had the bipolar experience in both dads. Yeah. So yeah, dude, I would just slam back and forth between, I just, you know, no emotion, no emotion, rationalize, rationalize around. Right. And then when, you know, and I always chose women that would never let me get away with it. They would, they were going to pin this goddamn jello to the tree. They were going to drive as many nails Uh as they could into the jello that was me until this jello was stuck on the tree. And by the, when I was so done with getting so many nails driven into me, then I would explode. Ah. Then I would become my stepfather. Yeah. yeah, and explosion is is something people do, right? Especially if they don't have other options or tools or uh, haven't preemptively handled things along the way. Let's dive into your book and your experience. Um, first off, getting to zero. What are we talking about? What does that mean? Yeah, it means we're going to get back to a good place. And so anything above a zero on a zero to 10 scale is I'm triggered or activated, one through 10. Mm-hmm. And zero is... Ah, nervous systems have let down, scared animals chilled out, and we're all relaxed and good. Sounds pretty good to me. It's the place I just, I think a lot of guys can, would would offer that, yeah, that's, I just want to live there always. (laughs) (laughs) Totally, man. Why do we even need to get above zero to begin with? Yeah. Well, we're, we're animals, we're social mammals, and one of our, we have two things uh, that we're up against. One is our uh, biology and one is our history. Biology is we don't want to be left out of the herd. We don't want to be kicked out, rejected, abandoned, and we don't do well alone as mammals. So it will do anything we can to maintain connection or closeness to the herd or another person, mm-hmm. including betray ourselves. So there's the biology. That's what's at stake. If if it doesn't go well, I could lose the relationship and I could be on my own. So none of us like that. And then there's our history, which is what we were just talking about, all the the baggage and carnage from our upbringing or the downloads we got, however good or bad it was, we tend to um, play that out in our current reality with our current high stakes relationships. And that makes it very difficult and we want to avoid that and we don't want to feel this way and it feels bad. And most of us want to get back to zero without any effort. We want to push a button. Yes, totally. want to push a button and usually the button that sort of, you know, my, my training taught me to look for is, okay, there's gotta be a button in my partner's brain that if I can just press it now, you know, our audience is, 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 you know, this podcast is largely for men, but we have a lot of women listening as well. Mm-hmm. But I like to kind of speak to the common man's experience. Obviously not every man experiences things the same way, but I think I think a lot of men that I work with and that I'm in friendships with and just been my experience, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, my, like my wife, Sylvie, we, we, we long ago noted that I tend to not get upset until she's upset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And usually my upset is coming because I don't want her to be upset. Right. So like here, her upset rises. So I'm, I'm good. So, so my story tells me. I'm sure there's all kinds of shit going on underneath the surface that I'm not present to. (laughs) But, you know, like I think for a lot of guys, so long as nobody's bleeding, the house ain't on fire, we don't have to call the cops, you know, no one's coming at us with a knife, we're good. We can pay the bills. You're not starving. Like, I'm I'm not cheating on you. Like, nothing big and major is happening. What's the problem? Yeah. Well, you know, there's an upset in my wife and... Now I'm upset because I don't think she should be upset. Yeah. Help me figure That's really it. common, man. Let's, let's unpack that, man. Okay. Well, um, one possibility is your, even though you are not that impacted is sort of your story initially, you're relational. You're a relational man. And so you care a lot about your partner. And when she goes down, you notice. Mm. And that's upsetting to you. Mm. I think there's a, a real because you value relationships mm-hmm. and you value her and how her well-being and you care about her, that's a good sign. That's a sign of health when she's hurting mm. and you notice and you're like, uh-oh, mm. now there's a, a an alarm bell going off that like, oh, act, do something, like help. So it's, listen. A, it's a sign I'm not a sociopath. Absolutely. Got you're, it. You're a relational being. Yeah. Yeah. Because like there are men that we know of that are not relational 
Uh, and those are the guys that are causing harm in the world, probably. Yeah, so I think that I think that's a good sign. And and would would it a question back for you is would it also be true that she sometimes you don't know that there's anything going on with you. She actually is knows before you that there's something going on with you. Absolutely, man, without a doubt, hundred percent. Yeah, and that's the that's the helpfulness and value of a partner, and two particularly maybe sensitive you could call it sensitive ish people that they care again about each other in relationships. It's like, oh, she's noticing that something's off with you before you do, and then she might reach out, right? I think a big part of the resistance comes from me not wanting to face what's going on with me. Yeah. I yeah. don't want to Because it with might it. be uncomfortable, right? Uncomfortable, inconvenient. Yeah. A, a, not a good time. Not a good time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. There was a time my dad called, uh, uh, we, Sylvia and I were driving to the, the grocery store and my, my dad called and had it on speakerphone. And this was a few years back. And, you know, I was pretty, I'm pretty accustomed to my conversations with dad being disappointing and, um, you know, not connecting, just not very, you know, just, just not feeling very good. But we got it. We hung up the phone after maybe two minutes and, you know, Sylvie could see that I was affected. She could just feel that my, my heartbreak, you know, it's like a little mm -hmm. micro heartbreak. And, and she says, uh, Brian, you know, it's okay. You know, if you want to cry, you can pull the car over. If you want to just cry, it's okay. And my response is, babe, I'm driving. We got, we got places to go. Yeah. I'm trying to get, get us somewhere. somewhere. Yeah. Where, where are we going, Jason? We're going to the damn grocery store, <laughs> you know? So it's a lot, a lot of moments like that, you know, where mm -hmm. indeed my partner, Sylvie, especially, you know, she's very emotionally attuned. And so I think, you know, to your, to your point, absolutely, man. I think she's very, very sensitive to what I'm going through. I think it's a big re reason I chose her to help me see myself. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, again, I think this is the power of a good partnership is that we can look out for each other in that way. I, I have a metaphor that I use in the book about two boats being tied together you and Sylvie, you know, chose mm -hmm. to tie your boats together out in this vast ocean called life. And we want to be on a boat with someone who notices when we're not doing well, because they're like, shit, this could impact me and our boat. Like, mm -hmm. this might not be good if a storm's coming or sharks are coming or there's all kinds of stuff going on or we get a hole in the boat. Uh, we want to notice the other person and that they're not doing well so that we can help get them back to a good place and so that we as a boat team can be at zero. I like that. You also talk about in your book the five most common types of fights. Yeah. Let's let's unpack that. I think that'll be really interesting to our listeners. Yeah, for sure. So we've got uh, surface fights, projection fights, resentment fights, value different fights, and security fights. Okay, so let's unpack them. What, what's a surface fight? Surface fight is like you left your keys again on the counter or what the hell's wrong with you? Or, you know, you've got, you didn't wipe the toilet seat again or you... Um, dishes in the sink or you didn't you're not on time and we we start arguing about the thing we think the fight is about and if there's heat behind it and your activation lasts more than a couple of minutes about that surfacey thing that means there's a tributary down into one of the other four. Oh, interesting so we're fighting about the keys or you know socks left on the floor yeah or the or the way the way that, you know, my partner puts the dishes in the dishwasher, yeah. <laughs> something. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's about that, but it's also never about that. Exactly. Certainly yeah. not if and it endures for more yeah, than. If it endures and you've had this fight before and you again have some heat or charge <clears throat> behind it, some activation, it just means there's a resentment there. Probably it's possible there's a bigger value difference going on, or it's possible it's tapping into this security issue where, God, I, I feel like one foot in, one foot out again. Like, let's say a common one is you don't text me back. We're in a relationship and you don't text me back. Um, because whatever, I read into silence, right? And this is what we do as people is we read into the, between the lines, like oh, we make up all kinds of shit and it's usually about us. Mm -hmm. They hate me. They're leaving me. They're dumping me. Oh my God, this is going bad. That turns into a security fight because I'm like over here going, yep, see, they want to leave. They don't actually want to be in this relationship. Hmm. And if, you know, if it happens enough times, I stack these things up and I call it evidence to build my case, um, my story that this is what's happening. When in reality, that might not be what's happening. 
Well, that could, that mean that makes a lot of sense because I can see how you know tiny little fights, little you you know, a text goes, a text message goes unanswered for a couple hours for whatever reason, and 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 one partner, I think it's, you know, early in my relationship with Sylvie, she, I think she'd be, I think she's pretty sure she's okay with me sharing this because she's talked about this publicly. We we've talked about this publicly. She would she would she was the runner. Yeah. You know, we we'd get into a, a, a diff an uncomfortable moment, and she, I can't do this. Uh huh. I can't do this. I can't do this anymore. And as soon as she said those words, well, I'm done. If you, yeah. if you I mean, can't do this anymore, I'm not trying. That's threatening. Yeah, those words are threatening. And I think, you know, we took that off the table early in our relationship when we realized that's not helpful. <laughs> but I think I know couples that years into their relationship, a something comes up and then, see, I can't trust you. Uh-huh. I knew I couldn't trust you. Yeah. You just, you always do this. I can't trust you. This is, I don't know how, I don't, I can't keep doing this. And the, and it's a refrain that gets repeated over and over and over. And that starts to erode, talk about eroding trust. That's that yeah. statement right there is what erodes the trust. So let's talk about now projection. Yeah. So projections like this stuff, um, without going too deep into the weeds about projection, it's just think of, um, for the listener, it's like you married someone that some version of them starts to feel like, your family, your parents, your mom or dad, the tone of voice, the way they look at you, um, how they treat you, their behavior, their, their body language starts to resemble something familiar from your past. And so that activates you because you're projecting that past figure onto your current partner. And then we can fight about that and get into like all kinds of interesting quarrels and arguments about what's actually going on. So to have a little bit of psychological education here, I think can be really, can go a long way. Cause then I can be like, Oh honey, you know what? I just, you did that thing that went on your face that looks just like the face my mom used to give me. And that's what's activating yeah. for me. You're not the problem. The memory is the problem. And I'm putting that on you. And that's what I got to work with over here. That is enormously relieving to the partner who's being projected upon. hundred percent. And also I've found that that's been helpful with, again, with Sylvie and I, where, we regularly, in moments of of just tiny sh- micro stress, we turn each other into our parents, into our yeah. Uh, you know, I I turn her into ironically, I turn her into my dad, and she turns me into her dad regularly. Yeah, yeah. When we can identify being having been able to identify that more, oh man, it's been so helpful. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So projection fights, I think, again, it's just bring awareness. And then when you know, when you know it's a projection fight, you're like, okay, this is what we're dealing with here. Whew. It's just not as big of a deal. A hundred percent. And it's not even about you. Right. It's not even about it's you. It's not even about you. Which immediately puts her, like in this, in my our example, we could put her nervous system. Okay. So she could, she doesn't have to fight me anymore because I'm not fighting her. I've just told, I've just said, Hey, I'm not fighting you. I'm actually fighting an old, old memory that's just <laughs> exactly. coming up in this moment. Exactly. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I've learned too, same, you said it, like there are facial expressions that I don't even know I'm doing it. Yeah. Cause I'm not doing it. The thing is I'm not doing it. I, I have no facial expression. I'm just, I'm just hanging out. I'm just listening actually. <laughs> and she's, putting projecting this old experience onto me kind of feeling because I, I like you said earlier jason i also tend to sort of just have game face on yeah i'm just you know i'm not yeah. feeling particularly emotional i'm just yeah. i'm here yeah and she'll read so much onto that sometimes because you know it's, it's scary for her if she doesn't really clearly know what's happening yeah and this is a really important point i think for the listener is that that how sensitive we are to face and tone of voice in particular those two things and body language in general, but are huge. Uh, sometimes we don't even know we're being triggered by that's the thing that's getting us, you know? And so if you can slow it down, sometimes you might find out that it's actually a facial expression that's the most upsetting. And I like that you said also tone, tone of voice. I mean, gosh, Jason, we could do a whole podcast episode just on this right Completely. here. Because I'm even, I'm even mindful of, like, you know, Sylvie, she's from Armenian Arab culture. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm white American. Yeah. Facial expressions are so, are, can be different in those cultures. And, and she's, she doesn't recognize my facial expressions as much as she would an Armenian man. Yeah. That can cause confusion yeah. between us. But tone of voice, 
you know, same. I've, I've had multiple experiences with women over the years where I just was using my regular voice and they felt like I was yelling at them or I was raising my voice or I was being cold or, and I was like, I'm just talking to you here. I don't know. What, you, what do you mean? But yep. I've learned, I've learned, oh, you know, when I answer the phone with Sylvia at the beginning of our relationship, you know, I just business voice. Yep. How you doing? Everything okay? Cool. You good? You have a good day? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> She's she hated like, no. it. <laughs> no. Yeah. Now it's, hey, babe. Hi. Yeah. Right. Intonation. You got to like vary the intonation. Totally. It's less threatening. It's less, it's annoying to my own nervousness. I don't want to do that, Jason, <laughs> but I know it makes a difference for her. Yeah. So we got surface fights, security, projection. You said also uh, value differences. and Yeah. Value differences is just, you know, to be the obvious right now is vaccines and no vaccines, right? Mm -hmm. Masks, no masks. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. a very big value difference in belief systems. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't, I don't have it values that I don't talk about values like integrity and honesty. I'm talking about values like mm. family, vaccines, no vaccines, Democrat, Republican, um, you know, uh, privacy, privacy, where to put my kids at school. You want public yeah. school. I want private school. These can be massive deal breakers for people that yeah. lo and behold, find out after a couple of years that they're quite split in their values. And different values isn't the problem. It's, 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 if there's not enough glue around a couple shared values, then it's going to be tough to work through conflict successfully over time. Cause there's just not, the glue's not there. We're, we're just too different. We don't have anything in common. We don't do anything together that we like. It's like, then why are you together? You know? So surface fights, projections, even security, although I could see, you know, security, if someone's really not into the relationship, security could be a deal breaker, oh, yeah. but, but, but value differences is one of these five where we, there's a legit potential reason to not be together yeah. if we can't resolve or work through. And that can be okay. And that, it's like, oh, you believe this and this is really what you want to do and the direction you want to go in life with your boat. I actually want to go in this direction with my boat. We're, it's probably best we just split up and high five each other and it's, no one's wrong here. Yeah, I think that's it's really important to call that out. Because I think, you know, you and I both work in the relationship coaching and therapy space. And look, man, I love it when couples find their way to navigating, you know, keeping their boats together and finding their way through storms. I love that. Yeah. And I am not a together at all costs proponent. I'm, I'm with you. I'm not either. Yeah. Sometimes the best thing we can do is part ways. So, all right. Resentments. Yeah. Resentments is uh, my definition is when I expect you to live like me or you expect me to live like you, we're going to resent each other. Mm -hmm. And that's, the, to me, the definition of resentment. When I don't hold my boundaries uh, is another possibility where I'm going to resent you because I'm, you're, you keep asking and I keep saying yes. Well, I'm not respecting my no and honoring that, so I'm going to probably have a resentment here. And resentments are great because they feel bad and they feel bad enough that they wake us up to see our pattern. And most of the time, initially though, if we haven't worked on ourselves that much, we'll, we'll blame the other person. You never, you always mm -hmm. blah, 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 do life this way. And I hate that. It's like, well, the thing I have control over is not them and their behavior and what they choose with their life. The thing I have control over is my expectation that they do it my way. And when you shift that, um, you're going to start resenting people a whole lot less. And it's going to feel a lot better to the other person because they won't feel judged and criticized. hundred percent. So we've got, I'm going to uh, summarize these again. Surface fights, projections, value differences, resentments, and security. Nice. Five most common types of fights. All right. So let's start breaking down conflict and getting to zero. And I realize, you know, we're, we, could, we could do a whole, you know, a year-long course on this, Jason. Absolutely. And I, I know that you offer this kind of work through your work and through the the, the coaches who, who carry on your work as well. And, but if we were going to break conflict resolution in intimacy, particularly down to the basic essentials, like, you know, to keep, to keep things kind of simple for, for our listeners, what would you offer? Yeah. Uh, it's an important question. So a couple things you got to number one, have the right view, which is conflict. Isn't, the, isn't a problem. Conflict's an opportunity. It's a doorway for us to get deeper, stronger, better together. 
to me, that's always true. And yeah, it can also mean that the relationship ends and me getting stronger is ending the relationship, more empowered. But conflict is this awesome, powerful, uncomfortable as hell process where we can become more of who we are. So I think just the view itself is, in terms of the framework, is important. And I spent a lot of time on that in the book, making sure people are on board. <laughs> then we can talk tools and tactics, which is more like, all right, uh, if I want to resolve something fast, I, I can do two things really quickly that make all the difference. Number one is I can listen to you until you feel understood. And I can volunteer to go first. Hey, Brian, you know what? We've been in the snag for a while. Tell you what, I'm going to listen because I want you to feel understood because I'm over here believing that if you feel understood, you'll be more interested in trying to understand me. Mm -hmm. So rather than getting my piece out first, I'm going to listen first. So it's, this is kind of contrary to what most human beings and their patterns do where it's like talk first. No, listen first. Mm -hmm. Just that alone, I think, is a game changer. And I have a whole process on how to, you know, you can more effectively listen, uh, which I'm sure you teach a version of that to your people. And then the if we're going to talk, the first couple of things we can do is take responsibility for our part and understand the impact on the other person. And that's empathy. So I can say, Brian, my part is I raise my voice. And I imagine the impact on you was that you felt scared and hurt. And it makes sense, and then I validate, it makes sense that you retreated and pulled away from me because I did that. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's very settling to the other nervous system. It's like, ooh, this person's fucking owning their shit fast here. Wow. Uh, this, what often happens in that little place right there is, because the way you spoke that was, okay, I'm gonna own my part and I'm gonna stay here for a minute. Yeah, I'm not gonna own my part with the immediate expectation that you're right behind me to own yours. With my arms folded and my dirty look. <laughs> exactly. Okay, I know. Do I know I did this, but yeah. you, yeah. where's your your turn? <laughs> mm? Yeah. Right. That's so we. What am I? You really got to stay there for a minute. Yeah. Let it land. Let it land. And, and, and really, the imagining the impact on the other person is us flexing our into, uh, empathy muscles, which is a weak spot of mine, honestly, especially in my partnership. And so for me to do that over and over um, is really helpful because my wife wants empathy for me. She wants to understand impact, that I impact her. And I'm like, right, okay. Um, and sometimes I struggle with this one. Yeah, because uh, I don't know what it's like ultimately to be her, but I can imagine and I can take a close guess, and that effort helps. I think that's a key word right there, man. Impact, because one of the you know one of the stumbling blocks that I'm I still man stumble over is 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 needing to understand why her why mm -hmm. you know like to agree with her conclusion mm -hmm. that this is why I'm hurt, and therefore like until I understand the why. I, I'm not enrolled in empathy. Right. Good point. But when I can step out of that, forget why for a minute, and just impact. I have fucking impact. You have impact. I, I'm, I'm impacting her. Like, even if I don't know why, it's a fact. I'm impacting yep. her. In the same way that, you know, she throws cold water on me, and I have had women throw water on me in the past and not, you know, in anger. <laughs> so <laughs> it fucking impacts me. Yeah. I'm cold man. and I'm wet. Yeah, And usually it d it's impact that doesn't feel good. <laughs> usually. It does not feel good. It is not a, it is, it is not skillful action on their part, Yeah, which typically is preceded by not skillful action on my part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just keep backing it up. <laughs> so what would it look like? Like, like, like a couple that is, that can regularly, you know, because I hold that if, if if two people are really having an authentic, honest relationship, it doesn't mean they're sharing everything with each other, but but they're they're sharing when things come up that need to be shared, they're sharing them. Yeah. And they have their own opinions and they have their own views and, yeah. you know. And so I think couples are regularly, I imagine, you know, you and your wife, you seem like two strong-willed, independent-thinking people. I imagine disagreements, potentials for conflict are arising regularly. What does it look like for a couple that 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 is successfully navigating that over time? Like, what, what is a cycle? What does that look like? Yeah, nice. It looks like as soon as possible, they're committed to getting to zero. 
we're all busy. So that as soon as possible might be two days. It might have to wait till the weekend. It might have to wait till this evening um, or tomorrow morning. And that's all okay as long as it's okay with both people. But this is where agreements come in that, you know, we, my wife and I have an agreement that nothing goes longer than 24 hours uh, without getting repaired or the beginnings of the repair process. Um, that's really, really important. So what it starts to look like is two people are just committed to feeling good. Let's get back to a good place. And so I'm going to apply myself to try to make that happen. You're going to apply yourself to try to make that happen. And we're going to get there. And it might mean clearing the decks, canceling a meeting, moving it up the priority scale so that the other person feels like, hey, this is a priority. I feel considered and thank you. And yeah, but for us, sometimes it's like our kids want our attention. And if we're in a fight, it's like, not right now. Mom and dad aren't done talking. Uh, we, we need another 15 minutes. And we're like in it, you know, and they're coming in. They're like rolling their eyes. Their mom and dad are in a fight again. <laughs> and uh, by the way, I'm a big fan of fighting in front of them because I'm showing mm, them yeah. through daily living how to get to zero, right? How to do this. And our kids know how to do this now because we're showing them. Uh, yeah. Anyway, it's, it looks like that. Like, nope, this is a priority. We're going to get this done. And it does look like usually talking, taking turns. Um, someone listens first. Someone validates, reflects. We sometimes step aside and look at the problem, you know, objectively. Like, huh, what is this couple, almost like a, a third couple? Like, yeah, what do you, what's that couple doing over there? What do you think they need help with? Mm-hmm. And really looking at it. And, I, dude, I feel grateful that I have psychology tools and self-awareness um, because I, I think it's much, much steeper for people that don't. I really do. Uh, agreed. Uh, you know, same. I've been doing personal growth, transformational work, therapeutic work for fucking 20 years, man. Yeah. And I still, it still at times can be really oh, painful, uncomfortable, all of it. And and I love, Jason, thank you, man, for saying that, that you don't try to hide this from your children. Yeah. I think that's so valuable that your kids get to get to witness the, even the messy parts. Totally. They see it. They see it all. Do you have any conflicts or differences between you and your wife that are that are just kind of like ever present? That, you know, I'll give you an example like like Sylvia and I, we have a dog. I tend to be far more liberal mm-hmm. in risk taking with the dog, letting the dog do things. Uh, and I think that I think a lot of parents could probably relate to this, especially a, a parent of a children or, or, or an animal. Yeah. One parent has a far more tolerance for risk and the other is far more risk averse. Yep. That's pretty common. Yeah. Pretty common. It's not a deal breaker, you know, obviously, yeah. I mean, you know, we, but, but it's ever present. Mm-hmm. And I know there are other kinds of conflicts, you know, some partner may work too much for the other's tastes or vice versa. I'm curious, you know, how do you, how do you help couples or how do you propose couples or how do you and your wife mm-hmm. navigate these ever present conflicts that exist in the, you know, that's like just part of the water you swim in Yeah, together? Yeah. And it's a great question because I think what you're alluding to here that I'm getting is that some people aren't going to change here right? You're not necessarily going to get more conservative and she's not going to get necessarily more liberal with the dog, right? No, no, no. So this is what's cool about this is when we realize, oh, this is kind of how you roll, we can learn, the other partner can learn to accept the other person how they do it. With, there might be need, need to be a couple reasonable requests to make, a couple asterisks that are like, yeah, buts, or can you also do this? Can you, you know, keep her on leash in certain places of town or by roads or a big freeways or something that you're like, yeah, I can do that. I'm willing to do that, especially if it makes you more comfortable, right? We get to do those kind of things for each other. But by and large, we don't want to ask someone to be a different human being. I, I just think that's a setup for failure. And when couples get in real big snags, that's what they're asking. They're asking, you can't be this way. You can't be so liberal. You can't be so conservative. You can't parent the kids this way and let them be on screens all day. And I, I'm an anti-screen person. Like, that's not going to work. Um, those couples usually divorce. And mm-hmm. then it's like, at my house, we do screens. And at your house, you don't. And it's your prerogative. That's fine. Mm-hmm. So these are these are complex issues. But if they're um, big like that, I don't know that they can be worked out unless you can start to accept that the other person's way is okay. It's actually not life-threatening. It's not the end of the world. 
It's not going to kill anybody. It's uncomfortable for you to watch, but it's okay. Like, I, I think that can be a, a cool practice for couples to love each other, you know? I, I think, I mean, you look, you said it, these things are, these, these things can be complex. And I'm a, I'm a fan of, of getting support to help unravel and, uh, some of these things, you know, with, with a third party, someone who can really help you ask, discern what's really going on here. Yeah. And is this a deal breaker or, do, or are we just doing a lot of projecting maybe yep. <laughs> or right. Or, or is there, uh, are this, is, is this surface fight that's, that's kind of plumbing into some resentments mm-hmm. perhaps that we can learn to let go of one of the, one of the things I think, you know, I met Sylvie when I was 41 years old. So I had a lot more life experience than if I had met her. You know, my relationships in my 20s and 30s were just ridiculously disastrous, Jason. Yeah, I'm with you. One of the things that I've appreciated, I think that 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 be, just being a man in my 40s, I've, I've come to understand that some of the, the differences between Sylvie and I, I, I need her to be more risk-concerned. Mm-hmm. Our dog would probably be dead by now. Yeah. If I didn't have her balancing out. Exactly. Yeah. Well said. You guys are like a team that way, right? You balance each other out. Yeah. Like again, a yin and yang. Um, you kind of need hers, her conservatism, and she needs your liberalness. And you guys make an awesome team. Exactly. This is where diversity in a relationship and differences are strengths. If you learn how to work with them. If you learn how to work with them. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And what I, I what I find is I'm I can allow myself to be, you know, a little annoyed by her sort of risk aversion, but I also I, we've also decided, we this is something we did. We we decided that Sylvie is in charge of the dog's health. Nice. That's that's her domain. She's the leader in that domain. Yeah. If she says the dog needs to go to the hospital, the dog goes. Yeah. I don't have to like it, but that's how that's she's she's the boss. Nice. And um because you know, and that's probably saved our dog's life in at least one occasion. Because <laughs> I wouldn't, I would have been like, ah, it's fine, it's just a flesh wound. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mean, you know, meanwhile, it's being consumed alive by flesh-eating bacteria. Right. That you know, the three days later, it's dead. Jason, just one more question, and then we'll wrap up with three key takeaways. Okay. What are you most excited about for people to 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 get from your book? That there's a path forward. Yeah, that there's a way you can work through hard conversations and relationship challenges. There's lots of ways. I'm trying to offer people a, a guidebook here for a path forward. And um, don't lose hope and at least give it a massive try and apply yourself. And I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, there's a path forward. We're not trapped. Hear that, men? Yeah. We're not trapped. We can be free again. You got it. Totally. <laughs> Which doesn't mean free from conflict. Or pain or discomfort. <laughs> yes. Jason, let's let's wrap up with th- three key takeaways. All right. We've we've had a I think we've had a really beautiful and tight conversation here. But let's give our listeners three key takeaways that they can can really walk away with from this. Cool. In addition to whatever they've and again it can be your summary of what you've said, but three key takeaways. Yeah, and I'd be curious if you would tweak or modify any of these. Do you want me to say three that I'm thinking of? Yeah, they're, they're all yours, man. Okay. Number one, conflict's not a problem. It's your relationship to conflict that could be the problem and your unwillingness to learn. If you apply yourself and learn, uh, you can. You too can learn how to get to zero and get back to a good place with just about anybody. That's number one. Uh, number two, there's different types of fights, and it's important to know which one you're in because I think it'll help you get to zero sooner. And then number three might be that we're sensitive creatures, social mammals, and we're sensitive to tone of voice, facial expressions, mm-hmm. and we can be considerate of the other person and how we, how we behave during uh, and after conflict. Yeah. And we can um, own our part and understand the impact on the other person. Uh, and that might help us get there sooner. Beautiful, man. I love it. I think this is so important. Obviously, I know you wrote your book for, for you, you could say high stakes relationships. I mean, I, you know, we've been talking a lot through the filter of intimate relationships, but man, the world is full of high stakes right now. Yeah. Learning some conflict navigation skills to get us back to zero. Wouldn't that just be good for the planet? Amen. Where can people find your book? 
Uh, yeah, probably the best place is gettingtozerobook.com. And there's links, obviously, in Amazon, and you can find it just about anywhere, hopefully. If you want to try your local indie shop because you want to support the local businesses, do that. Just request it at that store, and hopefully they'll carry some copies. And there's a lot of cool free resources if you that go along with the books, some free videos, uh, some downloadable PDFs, some um, sample conversations. If you go to gettingtozerobook.com, that's probably the best place for the most resources. Great. Gettingtozerobook.com. And the book is Getting to Zero, How to Work Through Conflict in Your High Stakes Relationships. Author Jason Gaddis. Jason with a Y, J-A-Y-S-O-N. Just like Brian with a Y. I got you. I see you, man. I'm, I'm with you on with that. With me, bro. Jason with a Y, Brian with a Y. Love it. Jason, man, always uh, a pleasure to have you on Men This Way, man. I so appreciate your your wisdom and insight and, uh, and your service to men and to couples and to the world. And keep doing it, man. I'm excited for people to, to read your book. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Thanks a lot for what you're doing and for helping the brothers out there. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you again to Jason Gaddis. Find Jason's book at gettingtozerobook.com. Of course, this link and other essential info about this podcast will be in the show notes at brianreeves.com slash podcast. And also remember, Elevate 2022, my year-long coaching experience for men committed to thriving in every domain of their lives is now open for applications. Go to brianreeves.com slash elevate, it's brian with a y, reeves.com slash elevate for details and to apply. Only 12 men will be invited on this journey with me. So go to brianreeves.com slash elevate. And finally, if you were served by this and think others should hear it too, please share this episode or even better, just write a review so that you too can lead more men this way. And don't forget to subscribe yourself while you're at it. I'm your thriving life and relationship coach, Brian Reeves, Brian with a Y Reeves. Until soon, keep your head up your breath relaxed, and your thoughts inspired.